0: Welcome to the 2018 Prima podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the director of education and training at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Paul Marshall will discuss active shooter workplace violence insurance and risk protection. Paul Marshall is a managing director at McGowan program administrators. He is responsible for the formation, growth, profitability, and overall strategy of McGowan active shooter workplace violence programs. Since the program's inception, he has insured over a 1,000 businesses, organizations, and events throughout the United States and was recently presented with Insurance Business America's Top Influencer, Innovator, Game Changer Award. For 25 years, Paul has had direct experience in retail agency sales, program management, underwriting, and claims. He has authored various articles and frequently presents at industry conferences. We will also be joined by Taekwon Gilbert, a member of Prima's education and training team. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Paul, thank you for joining us today. What is your perspective on the growing threat of school and workplace violence and active shooter incidents?
2: Well, 2017 was the deadliest year of mass shootings in modern history. The mere mention of Vegas, Marshall, Kentucky, Tehama, California, San Francisco, Roseburg, Oregon, San Bernardino, they all blend into the not-too-distant past of Columbine, Virginia Tech, Sandy Hook. And these names, towns, cities, have joined the ranks of America's mass shooting locations and in seemingly increased progression. And there's a nonprofit, nonpartisan project known as GunViolenceArchive.org. Data on gun incidents is now available well before the Federal government releases its statistics. Gun Violence Archive is an online archive of incidents collected from over 2,000 media, law enforcement, providing real-time data. What the numbers show us uh, is the rising numbers of active shooter deadly weapon attacks are quite a, a bit staggering, with 2017 averaging one mass shooting per day, amazingly, just a little review, 2016 reached a record high of 384, surpassing the 334 mass shootings in 215. And to go back one more year, 2015 was a 47% increase in 2014. The details are just as concerning when you consider total gun-related incidents of 50, over 54,000, an average of 4,500 events per month. And by the time we finish this interview, when we go back to gunviolencearchive.org, um, the numbers are likely to be outdated.
1: Is active shooter workplace violence insurance protection a
2: relatively new offering or is it well-known? This is actually becoming a new and well-known offering. So uh, it's been developed just in the recent uh, number of months, but more and more organizations are looking to it. Businesses and school professionals, um, you don't know, have to look very hard to find insurance-focused, risk-management-related articles regarding active shooter, deadly weapon, workplace violence. These are being picked up in the mainstream media, such as CBS News, you know, highlighting that mass shootings have insurers going on offense. Fortune Magazine uh, features an article talking about mass shootings, basically convincing companies to explore and purchase this type of insurance. CMDC ran a little spot specifically on active shooter workplace violence insurance. So um, it is increasing, and more and more organizations are taking this type of coverage. So, Will standard coverage suffice? Well, the initial response would assume that the standard insurance policies would respond. There are plenty of gray areas which we need to be aware of, and this is what's causing the increase in awareness and, and purchase of this new type of insurance. The most common, you know, commercial general liability may not respond unless the insured is deemed to be specifically liable for the event. So until there's a lawsuit, the policy really can't respond. Whereas the new policies are responding with crisis management coverages, responding for victim counseling, um, victim medical benefits, unfortunately victim funeral benefits. Typically, the commercial uh, general liability has some exclusions in the policy that may specifically include an employee as a perpetrator, a business interruption, or even terrorism. In general, a policy may not include an event-triggered crisis management component, which you know provides the crisis response that we're hoping for in coverages for victims. The second coverage, business income. This business income loss is typically inevitable for organizations needing uh, foot traffic, and this would include even uh, public and private universities. Typically, business income doesn't respond unless uh, there's actual damage to the buildings um, or contents that deem the building um, unusable. The business may need to close on some of the school large school shootings uh, due to injuries or deaths. And if a business needs to relocate after an attack, uh, the property policy may not pay unless there was actual damage to the buildings and contents. One notable incident regarding property is Sandy Hook that decided to remove the building and then rebuild at a $50 million price tag. This was not covered by insurance. And also another notable one, Virginia Tech spent millions of dollars to reface the hall that was the site of the deadly shooting costing the university millions and millions of dollars. Terrorism coverage is the last coverage I'll talk about. Most people think that terrorism would be looked at, but just a, a note that, um, there, the, in order for the terrorism coverage to kick in, there must be, it must generate at least five million in property casual losses. It must be a certified act of terrorism by the U.S. Secretary of Treasury and the U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security. And because of these triggers, to date, there's been no event certified since 9-11. Even the Boston bombings were not certified, or San Bernardino shooting was not certified under the covered government-funded terrorism coverage. So those are the the main coverage that uh, really there's a lot of gray areas. So what are active shooter
1: and deadly weapon insurance coverage basics?
2: Most active shooter and uh, deadly weapon or workplace violence insurance programs on the market today provide several components. We have a primary third-party liability, business interruption and extra expense, and victim benefits. Some will include crisis response services and victim benefits, including medical counseling. They'll pay for funerals, which is fantastic, and I really encourage people to seek that out. The underwriting By this class of business or is by type of business the location of the risk and the exposures that would include the number of employees on site the number of students the number of visitors that's how we kind of rate the policies up the active shooter workplace violence insurance policies are they're marketed under various brand names such as active shooter protection or deadly weapon protection active assailant threat protection some target a specific risk in industry, such as healthcare or education. Some programs have the ability to, quote, virtually anything from rodeos to roller rinks to political national conventions. Just a note, a lot of people think that these policies that are extremely expensive and un- unobtainable, but just some quick sample of risks and pricing, you know, a very large university with over 50,000 students can obtain this insurance approximately 30000 to 50000 annual premiums. A very small high school in comparison, uh, let's say there's less than 30 employees and less than 200 students, the premiums can get very low down to around $3,000 a year for a million dollar policy limit. We have municipalities and cities that are seeking this coverage after San Bernardino And those pricings, again, are based on the number of employees and and size of the entity, but many of them are are finding it very affordable, less than 5% of their current insurance spend on an annual basis. And so that's deemed as, as affordable in the insurance terms.
0: We hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here are some words from Prima's member services manager, Danica Williams, regarding Prima membership benefits. Prima is a
3: membership organization dedicated to advancing the knowledge and practice of risk management in the public sector. Prima members come from a diverse range of disciplines, entity types, sizes, and share a variety of titles including risk manager, human resources professional, Workers' Compensation Coordinator, Employee Benefits Coordinator, Claims Administrator, Safety Personnel, Risk Pool Administrator, just to name a few. Despite their titles, there is one resounding theme among these individuals, and that is that they manage risks within their entity, and importantly, risks affecting the public interest. Prima members enjoy a robust array of educational programming, risk management resources and networking opportunities. Some of Prima's member benefits include access to blogs, podcasts, webinars, Prima's job bank, Prima's online community where members have the ability to connect, share and solicit information directly from their colleagues, Prima's library of risk management documents. Prima's flagship publication, the public risk magazine, and member discounts to all Prima events and training. Becoming a Prima member is one of the most worthwhile career investments a risk management practitioner can make, not just for themselves, but for their entire entity.
0: To learn more about Prima member resources, visit primacentral.org.
1: What are some key findings and comparisons regarding this coverage?
2: We've been working in the space for the last couple of years, and we created our own programs from scratch because we went to the best programs out you know, out there. So for the key coverage comparisons, we kind of talked about it in the terms of the good, the bad, the ugly, kind of a buyer's guide. And we wanted to kind of go through a list that represents a broad overview. Policy wordings on the market should present possible coverage gap issues if not explained or understood correctly, and and, and also you really need to read the policies uh, word by word. We start with the liability coverage form and uh, claim expenses versus liability expenses. So this is a pretty basic item, but we want to make sure that the policy covers Claim expenses, including damages, monetary awards, and settlements. Uh, in other words, that, that includes indemnity. Some policies out in the market only include liability expenses or, or claim expenses. We really need them to include the awards and settlements and damages, which make it a full insurance policy in order to be, you know, on top of the list. Next, everyone should look closely at the coverage triggers or definition of event. Most event definitions are similar to, you know, quote, act of a potential deadly force involving use of a weapon on premise or threat of deadly force involving a display of a weapon on premise. These are, are good definitions. The newer versions that, of the policies that are coming out will include threat. You know, that basically there doesn't need to be a weapon brandished on premise, but for instance, if a university or a high school or a municipality has a bomb threat and has to evacuate, those incidents are now being covered as well. So we really need to be specific on some policies that require a specific number of casualties, such as three or more. Um, We don't want to purchase those policies. And then some policies exclude if an event has over 50 persons. Again, you need to work with a good insurance agent um, consultant and make sure you get the best policies that are out there.
1: Should the policy contain terrorism exclusions? So we would prefer that the policy
2: does not contain any terrorism exclusions. Some policies define terrorism a little bit differently. Some use the, the word in terrorism such as threat of any person committed for political, religious, ideological, or similar purposes with the intention to put the public in fear. We're a little bit concerned about that wording because most of these events could be tied to a religious or political feeling. So if we can just remove terrorism from the policy, that will allow our policy to respond immediately and we're not held up in the legal courts. So we can start paying for crisis coverages. We can start paying for business income loss. We can start paying for the victim benefits, paying for their medical bills, paying for their crisis counseling, paying for, unfortunately, funerals. And we think that will will help minimize litigation down the road.
1: What is the definition of firearm or deadly weapon in this context?
2: This is a key feature in the policies that we need to look at. With the recent mall stabbings, France truck attacks, the you know New Jersey, New York City pressure cooker bombs and vehicle ramming at Ohio State and the London Bridge, we need to understand how the policy defines a weapon. Some policies are very broad, which, of course, we, we encourage everyone to push for. Uh, the, a sample definition may, may read as an instrument or explosive device which is specifically intended to be used to injure, kill, or incapacitate. This is a very broad definition that pretty much you could use anything as a weapon and uh, the policy will respond. Other policies uh, get, I feel, too specific, where they define a deadly weapon that they might specify a deadly weapon as a firearm, explosive device, knife. Syringe, medical instrument, liquid, acid, while these are really specific and they can, you know, have a lot, quite a few terms, many times they do not include vehicles, which we definitely want the policies based on recent attack to include vehicle rammings. So, you know, uh, make sure you understand what type of weapon is covered. So thank you so much.
1: So how does risk management fit into this offering?
2: Similar to cyber liability in coverage and prevention, it's important to have a security review audit and vulnerability assessment. Some policies provide for these services. Some policies and underwriting can provide as much as a 20% discount if these services are currently being performed. Many universities and public entities are already doing security reviews on on an annual basis, and vulnerability assessments. So that's something that you really want to bring out in the application process. The security review should include a risk assessment, you know, identification of security gaps and mitigation plans for the identified risks. They should include document plans that basically should include documented, agreed upon strategies, including crisis management structure, clear lines of escalation, in communication. They should include exercise and implementation awareness and scenario training for all employees. And this helps build knowledge of plans, including you know event stress testing with realistic simulations to test the plans and systems. This would help your your employees and people develop skills to manage crises and should be you know included. Additionally We should look at not just the active shooter, you know, the attack from the outside, but we should look at from within threats. And many times this is uh, named workplace violence prevention, you know, kind of uh, protection and screening practices from bullying. You know, you have anti-bullying policy, harassment policies, those type of things with specific procedures to review uh, prevention team training an incident response collection and protocol, but then also post-critical incident response. So I hope, you know, this coverage and risk management guide will assist, you know, all the uh, listeners of the uh, resources available. You know, just a, mm-hmm. a quick recap on, you know, what to look for is, you know, the third-party liability coverage to include, you know, indemnity or awards settlements. We want the policies to be primary coverage. We want them to ensure business interruption. We don't want exclusions. We, we want to exclude terrorism uh, or removal of the terrorism exclusion. We want to make sure that there's no exclusions for any three or less casualties. Uh, and then back to the risk management and security and vulnerability assessments. We, we would like, you know, to see our clients performing these on, on an annual basis, maybe accessing safety action seminars and webinars. And uh, one of the key things that we want to make sure the coverages include is uh, victim benefits, crisis counseling, and funeral expenses. Again, this is all designed to help mitigate um, the potential legal outcome down the road.
0: We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, Paul and Taekwon. Please visit the PRIMA website to listen to other PRIMA podcasts, Join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Enjoy the rest of your day.